This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Tell me, how did you get your interest in comedy? Well, I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario, and I got my interest in comedy because, I don't know if you've ever been to Ottawa, back at the time, uh, when I was growing up there in the uh, 80s, there was fucking nothing to do. So I, I got a job as a stand-up comic because I, didn't get a, I couldn't get a job just working... You know, when all the other kids were getting jobs out of high school, I didn't get one because I guess folks didn't really like the look on my face. I don't know. I have no explanation for that. So I kind of got forced into doing stand-up because I had to earn some kind of money, you know, because my parents were looking at me like, is this guy ever going to get a job? That's the same way that my parents kind of look at me right now when uh, I'm in the radio broadcast, couldn't find anything, and I decided, hey, I'm going to start a podcast and see where that leads. Right. So your comedy style, it draws people people in. I really like it. Uh, I always watch your Just for Laughs comedy specials, the ones that you do in Sydney as well. Uh, my first year at Carlton, I really enjoyed your humor, but people say that it's a confusing yet very shrewd way of, you know, getting comedy across. Did that just come naturally to you, or is it something that you felt you had to be different? I tried to find... There was a brief time where everyone was trying to find sort of, sort of what their hook and what was going to make them unique and different or something like that. I remember there was talk about that early on in my career, and I guess I did try to do some of that. But this came as a went on, and I had the festival coming up in my first or second festival coming up in four months in Montreal, and uh, I just really was fed up with everything. And they were telling me that I they wanted to hear this material and they want it done this way and then I just went up and I made up this character and this material and that was all, you know, miserable and all this shit the other and I just tried it and it just annihilated and then I walked that through to Montreal and then that's when I made it after that festival. That's how it all happened. I got all these deals. Take us through that process of, you know, because you, you mentioned growing up in Ottawa not getting any jobs so comedy was kind of the way to get in but take us through the process of going from Ottawa to getting the call for Just for Laughs right okay so uh, the way it worked was I started in Ottawa because uh, what was happening was uh, Yuck Yucks was expanding they had one in Toronto so what I'd done was I'd gone down to Toronto to do you know and this is after I had no money I took the bus up to Toronto from Ottawa the Voyager Colonial and then uh, it stopped the bus station happened to be this is great walkable to the Yuck Yucks it was on Bay Street and and so was the bus station. So I would get off the bus and I walked down the street to York, on, down onto Yorkville and I would literally walk into the comedy club. And then I did the set 
I remember. And then I remember being very last, and there were like 14 or 15 people on in front of me. But the, it wasn't a time where the audience would leave. They would stay for the whole amateur show. So they had one professional comic, and then everyone else was an amateur. And I went on last, and for some reason, I killed for some reason. I, I have no explanation as to why, but I know that it was good because when I, you know, they were screaming and when I got off, I, I guess I was in tears because I figured I'd finally found something I wanted to do. And then the owner came up and said, asked me if I wanted to do this professionally. And I said, oh yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> because I didn't have anything else. And then uh, he said he's opening up a club in Ottawa and would I like to be a local act there? And I said, yeah, the club opened up in Ottawa. Eight months later, I got so good that I moved to Toronto. And then I guess through Toronto, someone seen you and said, hey, why don't you audition for oh, Just that's for... what happened. What, yeah. what happened was they said Just for Laughs came touring around because they were going to do the festival. And uh, they came and they saw me. There was talk of, you know, after the show that they had liked me. But I heard it from the other comics I didn't know I had a good show there was talk that they liked me and three months afterwards I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival okay <laughs> as a young man <laughs> and why, why was it like going to the Just for Laughs uh, or Comedy Festival were you nervous were you excited yeah fucking big deal because there weren't a lot of Canadians that they chose, right? They mostly chose the Americans and they still do, you know? So it was very difficult to get and then I got it and uh, yeah, I, you know, I was more... I think I was more nervous about my first Just for Laughs where I really blew it out and got the big standing ovation. I was more nervous about that show than my first Letterman. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, you want to you wanna bring it in Canada, especially in Montreal, that, you know, you've got so much stuff that comes out of Montreal. You have the Just for Laughs festivals. They do the uh, Just for Laughs kind of gags as well. So, I mean, the comedy is kind of big in Montreal, so you want to do well there. Oh, yeah. It's the biggest comedy festival in the world. It still is. So, and it comes out of our country. So, you know, I really, really wanted to. I wanted to do really well. The one thing that I really like about your act as well is when you did move to L.A. or telling about your time in L.A. You mentioned about Tarzana. And uh, you basically made the joke of they think if they just strap on an N that or an N or an A, they don't think that people will know that you know you're living in Tarzan. Yeah. When you're coming up with these jokes, uh, do you care? I've, I've noticed shit, eh? I noticed the stupidest, smallest <laughs> fucking shit. I know, eh? It's really funny, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's. I, I, know, it's I, I don't know why. I have no answer for that. I don't know why. It's not these great big political statements. It's these tiny little things that no one's ever. That people have thought about. But not ever seen the funny in it, and then I pull it out and go here, and then they go, "That's fucking hilarious." I wrote a great joke the other day that I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. Uh, how did it go? Oh, it's fucking. It's got to be done perfectly. So I, the only way to do it is, uh, I think it's. I'm dating. I'm dating a no. I'm having an affair with a woman named April. When we check in at a motel, she checks in under an assumed month. That fucking kills me. I, I think it's like it's the way that you deliver the jokes as well because you always have your the hand over the mouth and it looks like you're so worried and then when you deliver it, it it's just like I, I mean I've watched you a few years now and everything so I get it but when someone's first watching you they're kind of like is he nervous is it planned and then yeah, when I don't get it I yeah is he mentally is he <laughs> mentally challenged what's the matter with this guy I um, so when you got these calls to do the late show at Letterman and the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, what, what was that like? What was going through your mind 
Like, did you feel like you made it? Oh, yeah, there's nothing. That's the end of it. Once you do the, I mean, at that time anyway, I don't know if it's changed now, but once you do Letterman and Leno, and then I had a, I had a, uh, a Comedy Central special there at the same time, and I was, you know, just my own special just for, uh, yeah, I think when I got the Leno and the Letterman, that was like everything. You know what I mean? There's not really much left. So I went international and I started doing like Australian shit, you know? This is something I just found out today. You were also a staff writer for the Jon Stewart show. How did you get that gig? I was. Uh, okay, I got that job. Uh, I was in Canada and I remember being turned. I, I almost got a gig. Uh, remember the remember the kids in the hall? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. So they had a show and I knew some of those guys and I... Uh, I was more known as a performer, right? Early on in my in my thing, so I was a really good performer. They said said the other comics anyway, but they said I wasn't a very good writer. So then I wrote these sketches for the kids in the hall, and they were like, "These are fucking fantastic!" And I almost got that gig. I almost got that gig as a writer on the kids in the hall, but it didn't work out. But I submitted some of those sketches that I wrote for the kids in the hall, plus some other ones, to New York because I heard the Jon Stewart show was starting up and I had a friend who was on the show and he showed my shit to the head writer guy and at the end of it, after three months, they chose me. Okay. And then I wasn't the greatest writer because I didn't know how to write on TV. But what what it so I learned how to do that, which was good in the in the year and a half that I was there. But they used me a lot in the sketches because I was a really good actor, right? I'm more of a performer, so I did a lot of. The other guys would write the sketch and they would hire me because it was almost guaranteed laughs. You know what I mean? And how did you get along with John Stewart? Oh, he's a great guy. A really nice guy. I was really happy and I'm really, really pleased that I got to work with him. One of the, honestly, out of all the shows I've been on, one of the nicest, most genuine people you would ever meet. Very nice gentleman. I like, and I don't mean to, to badmouth John Stewart in a way, but now I've read a few of his books and I've heard, you know, like he's very demanding. He's very into what he's doing. He's very passionate. Did you find that when you were like writing with him that. Not at all. No? I know that he was very, I know that he was very, when the show was canceled, because it was a syndicated program, so it was on at different times all over the country. When it was finally canceled, canceled, he was, we were in, he called everyone into the room and he was very disappointed, not because the show was canceled, but because all these people are now out of work and he felt responsible. Yeah. That's the kind of guy John Stewart is. Now, of course, I, I want to also mention that you won a, a Gemini Award for your role on the television series The Newsroom in 1997. I did win. Best actor. That was good. And, and just just enlighten me. What was the... Because, again, 997, I'm only six. What was The Newsroom? What was that uh, show about? That was probably the best show that had ever been produced in the country to that time. It was kind of a behind-the-scenes look at the workings of a newsroom, kind of like Adam Sorkin did, except his was a drama, ours was a comedy. And in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, the 30-minute comedy is far superior than the drama that came afterwards. It was a great show. Okay. Now, you also have 
written and starred in your own comedy special in, on Canada, the CBC Comics, entitled Whatever Happened to Jeremy Hotz. What made yes. you choose that as your uh, title, and why did you come up with that idea? I don't know. I just thought it'd be kind of neat where the guy, you know, it's one of those stupid documentaries, and we got this documentary guy that's trying to do this dumb documentary, <laughs> and he's got the story on this comic, and then you go through the whole thing, and the comics disappeared, and he was just about to break and be famous, and then you find out at the end that he just went went to the cottage for the weekend and didn't tell anyone. It was a fucking complete waste of time, the entire documentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to draw fans in to watch you. No. Yeah. Yeah. And kill me. And I, I just want to see how, because uh, I've got a, a source up here too, and I just want to see how relevant Wikipedia is here now. But it just says that you finished shooting the pilot of My Life in a Movie for Muse Entertainment and adjacent to oh, production. Long time ago. Yeah, that's what long I figured. I figured Wikipedia should update their shit. But um, I want to talk. Oh, about, fuck yeah. yeah I want to say this though. Are you currently working on any other projects? Yeah. Can you give us some kind of insight of what those are? Yeah, I can tell you a bit about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on a sitcom here with KP Anderson from Pygmy, Pygmy Wolf Productions uh, uh, for Network. So I'm hopefully that that moves forward. Uh, I'm also on an I'm on the first episode of Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC, which is on uh, in June. You can check whatever listings there. Uh, uh, that'll be funny. What else? Uh, a cartoon. There's an animated series as well that I'm getting in touch with a guy that we're trying to bitch around. But that's at the very early stages. So we're working on it's three things right now at the same time. And the last question I want to kind of finish it up on here is, who are some of the guys that you looked up to when you first started? George Carlin. Uh, that's why I stand up in the first place. Went to the Ottawa uh, National Arts Center in Ottawa, uh, and I, I went with my brother when I was about like nine, and there was George Carlin on stage doing the seven words you can't say on television, and we were dying laughing, and when we left, I said to my brother, one day I'm going to do that, and sure enough... <laughs> All those years later, I played the exact same venue like that I saw him at like nine or ten times now. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Jeremy Hotz for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 
Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.